Hi, this is Deval Patrick, former governor of Massachusetts, and I've got a podcast. We call it Being American. In each episode, we talk about the major challenges that people and families and communities all over the country are facing that need real solutions and how a better understanding of our shared values and objectives can help us bridge the kinds of differences that keep us from those solutions. I interview political figures, elected officials, grassroots organizers, regular citizens, folks in and out of politics and civic life who are in search, like me, of common wisdom in these uncommon times. Join us and help bridge the divide. It's the Being American podcast, which you can subscribe to or download wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to For All, a podcast by ACLU of Mississippi focused on civil rights and liberties in our state. We're here to talk about what's impacting Mississippians right now. At the end of each episode, we leave you with a call to action for how you can advocate for all of us. I'm Candace Coleman, the Advocacy and Communications Director at ACLU of Mississippi. The start of the next school year is just around the corner for students here, and one school district is returning with some changes to its handbook, specifically the removal of a gender-specific restriction. The change in the Jones County School District was prompted by a boy student, Douglas, who wanted to wear earrings, and his very spirited mother, Pamela, who brought in our LGBTQ Justice Project to help advocate for the change. Here's Pamela. Thank you so much for this conversation and giving me your time today. Pamela, tell me why you have felt so passionately about fighting for this dress code change at the Jones County School District. I just think that kids should be allowed to express themselves in any way that they choose, especially kids that are different. LGBT kids, kids that just want to dress different. Wearing earrings for boys these days is a fashion statement. It doesn't mean anything other than that to 90% of the boys who want to wear earrings. Half the football team wants to wear earrings. But the fact that the Jones County School District saw fit to actually put a rule in their handbook that said that boys and only boys cannot wear earrings, I was not going to stand for that. There's not a single woman on the school board, not a single person of color on the school board. And yet these are the people who are making decisions for our children. I think it's ridiculous. Take me back to the beginning. What started this fight to remove the gendered language from the dress code? It started in January when the kids returned to school from the holiday break. Douglas had his ears pierced. Um, He went to school. He had his earrings in his ears. Now, mind you, everybody saw them, but they waited until I left to tell him to remove the earrings. They handed him a plastic bag and told him that he needed to remove the earrings because boys were not permitted to wear earrings. And so when he told me at the end of the day, I said, well, that can't be right. I mean... Not in this day and age, you know, let me, let me just call and clarify. Nope, sure enough. And she gave me the page number in the handbook. I said, so boys and only boys are not permitted to wear earrings. This is not a, so it's gender specific. She said, well, it's in the handbook. Ma'am, your handbook is garbage. 
literally the exact words of the vice principal were, if he wants to go to school, that's the policy. From there, I sent a complaint letter over to the district, um, Title IX officer, uh, superintendent. I also CC'd the district's legal counsel as well. No one has ever responded to me. The only reason I know that they got it is because I attended two school board meetings and they actually held it up and said, we've received a complaint, uh, but this looks like this is going to be a handbook committee issue. So we're just going to forward it over to them. I spoke at that school board meeting and I was basically, I was shooed out of the meeting when my five minutes was up. After no luck with all of her efforts, Pamela reached out to the ACLU of Mississippi's LGBTQ Justice Project attorney, McKenna Rainey Gray, for help. Here's McKenna. Eventually, I was able to speak to the school district attorney about the letter and the contents and what they were doing, and he said that it had been referred to their handbook committee. After that, it was just mostly waiting to see school board meeting after school board meeting. Had they actually done anything about it, or were they still waiting on their, like sitting on their hands, trying to figure out what it is they're going to do about it. And on May 23rd, we got confirmation that they had actually changed the dress code so that it didn't have any gendered language in it anymore. Explain to me what the language was that was in the handbook. What exactly in there made it discriminatory against certain students? It specifically said that only female students could wear earrings, which meant that our client, who was a boy student, was not able to wear earrings. He got his ears pierced over Christmas break and came back. And apparently this happens all the time. One of the administrators chastised the student for not thinking ahead and getting it done during the summer, because then your ears have time to heal so that when you're taking your earrings out for school every single day, it's not causing any further damage to your ears, to your earlobes. There's all sorts of students that are going to benefit from schools reevaluating their handbooks and looking at what the language actually says and thinking about how it is that they're enforcing things. You're going to run into issues about whether or not this student can wear a skirt or not. So you have LGBTQ students that are more heavily policed in these areas or sometimes more likely to run into issues with the way that the gender parts of the dress code come into play. This advocacy is not stopping with this story in Jones County. Last month, the ACLU of Mississippi's LGBTQ Justice Project sent a letter to 55 school districts throughout Mississippi demanding that they re-examine their dress code and grooming code policies that are unconstitutional and discriminatory on the basis of sex, race, and religion. There's a lot of legal reasons that they need to do it. And- There's also a lot of just logistical and logical reasons that they should do it. Plenty of schools have dress codes that are like unenforceable the way that they're written. They're confusing. Teachers don't know how to enforce it. Students don't know what it is that they can and can't wear on a day-to-day basis. So we've we've sent the letters to all these different school districts trying to convince them of the legal reasons that they need to remove gendered language from their handbooks. We've also pointed out that there can be discriminatory enforcement of the of the dress codes. You can have it so that you have something that does not have any gendered language in it, nothing that specifically has even racial undertones in it. In Texas, they've had issues with hair being heavily monitored and circumscribed based on their dress codes. You'll have some school districts that have 80% of the students that get dress coded are girls, or you'll have it where a uh, student body is predominantly white, but most of the students that are getting 
dress coded are black students, particularly black female students. So we made we pointed out you need to change the explicit language of your handbook so that it doesn't have anything discriminatory. And you also need to take steps to make sure that you're not enforcing your dress code in a discriminatory manner. Girls' bodies are seen as more distracting than other students. So that's a lot of the justification that comes into dress codes is we don't want clothing that is distracting, but that's not that's not the standard. You're supposed to be thinking about whether or not it's going to be actually disruptive to the learning environment. And if a student, if you can see a girl student's shoulders, is that actually going to be distracting to anybody? Is it actually going to be disruptive to the school environment? I don't think so, but so many schools have language in there. What is, I guess, the next steps for um, the letters that have been sent out to the other school districts? We're having some school districts that are reaching out to us for advice on what it is that they should do. We included a model policy in our letters so that schools could, on their own, figure out what it is that they should change about their handbooks. It's not too complicated to figure out what is gendered language. We didn't have to point it out individually for each school. So we're hoping that more schools of the 55 will change their handbooks on their own or reach out to us for help. And we're eventually going to, once the school district has started for all of the schools, reevaluate how many of these schools have changed their hand, how many of them have specifically removed gendered language. Do they still have language in there that is probably going to lead to discriminatory enforcement that we should follow up with them on? And after that, we've got some plans for how it is that we can keep up with schools and do some further advocacy to try and convince them that this is not what it is that they need to be doing. This is not improving the learning environment for their students, which is what it is that they're supposed to be doing. It's problematic to have gendered language in 2022. Does it really make sense to have distinctions between boys and girls and what they can wear? Sometimes it's earrings, sometimes it's makeup and nail polish. Boys cannot wear makeup unless it's part of a theatrical production or something else that's school related. We've got a lot of policing on school grounds at during the school day, but also at school events like prom. It extends into many other areas, like can you wear a drape or a tux for your school picture for, for the yearbook if you're a senior? That's something we, we often do in schools in Mississippi. That's like settled law even in Mississippi that you cannot prohibit students from picking which of those two options if you're only offering two options, which one it is that they want. Right. You can't tell students what it is that they can and can't wear to prom. If uh, a boy identified person wants to wear a dress, uh, whether or not it, they identify as a boy or whether or not the school sees them as a boy, you can't change what it is that they're going to wear to school to the prom. So it's really important for young people to be able to self-express and self-identify in a way that is confirming who they are, especially if you have issues with being bullied or harassed as part of school, you don't need the school district or the school environment to be making anything harder for your for your learning environment or for your social situation. If you're getting dress coded and pulled out of school, that is stigmatizing and embarrassing, kind of no matter what the situation is. If you're getting pulled out of class in order to, if your classroom environment is being disrupted by what you're wearing, that in itself is disrupting the learning environment. A copy of the letter and a full list of the 55 school districts that received the letter can be found at ACLUMS.org. So, how do we show up for each other? That's the question we try to answer each episode. And this time, I'm going to let Pamela tell you because she is a stellar example of advocacy in her role as a parent. And because of her, 
change will hopefully ripple throughout the state. You're kind of now a change agent for the, all the other students, LGBTQ or not, who will have this same um, this same right at school to wear to express themselves in the way that they want to. You know, what do you say to that? How do you even feel about that? Um. I mean, Douglas, and Douglas said it too. My fight was not just for him. It was for every kid who wanted to wear earrings at the school. So for every mama that didn't feel like she could stand up to them, I feel like, you know, I feel like I fought for all of those mamas and their, and their kids. What would you say to, to parents and students who are also trying to make this type of change in their school districts? What type of uh, advice or encouragement would you, would you give to them? I would just say, don't give up. Just keep after them. Keep pestering them. Keep showing up at their offices. Be the thorn in their side. Uh, I think that you'll get a lot further if you don't just throw your hands up, which is what a lot of people choose to do. Um, You'll really find that most people just throw their hands up and say, well, if you can't beat the system, you know, no, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. Don't do that. You know, um, fight for what's right. And and if it's your kid, especially if it's your kiddo, you know, you need to show your kids that uh, standing up for themselves and for other people, that's the right thing to do. And don't let people take advantage of you. Thanks again to Pamela and McKenna for joining me on For All the Podcast. Remember, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ACLU underscore MS. And you can find us on Facebook at ACLU of Mississippi, spelled all the way out. Remember, when one group's rights are violated, every marginalized group is at risk. We can't make change without each other. We need liberty and justice for all of us.